0: Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ in Northampton, Pennsylvania. My name is Pastor Mike Lanzman, and this podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday sermons. I pray that they'll be a blessing to you, and if you're ever in the area, please stop in and worship with us. We'd love to have you. Before we get into the sermon, I made the mistake of checking my phone, and uh, there was reported in the news, the first thing that popped up was um, a shooting at a school in Florida, a high school in Florida, where uh, I think, I think they said 17, uh, it's a high school, 17 uh, students had been killed and uh, a few more injured. So uh, before we get into the sermon, I'm just going to uh, just have a, a moment of silence and then a prayer for them. Um, before we get into, uh, before we get into the, the, the rest of the evening. But this country, we're so polarized right now. And when, when things like this happen, our first thing, oftentimes, depending on what side of the eye you find yourself politically, first thing that we do is cling to our rights. And uh, we have to keep in mind that as citizens of the kingdom of God, as we heard two Sundays ago, as St. Paul demonstrated to us, the one thing that we're known for, should be known for, is the laying aside of our rights for the good of one another. And however that plays itself out politically, I don't know. I don't have an answer. But we are a country that loves, that loves its weapons. And I'm a hypocrite because I have one too. And... uh we should keep that in prayer and the country in prayer. Let's just take a moment of silence before the Lord. Lord, we, as a congregation, lift up uh, our voices in sorrow for what's happened in Florida this evening. We pray that in the midst of this tragedy, that you would bring peace to those affected, that your Holy Spirit would speak comfort to those family members of those who have been killed. We ask that you would allow these situations to sober us, to think clearly about how we treat our fellow human beings particularly during this season of Lent. And we ask that you would give us clear direction on how to handle this problem, because quite frankly, Lord, this problem happens in our country all the time, and we don't know how to fix it. We ask that we give our leaders wisdom on how to fix these problems. And we ask that you would give us wisdom as Christians, that we would show, remember that, that we are called to primarily show your love, to the world. And we ask that in Florida, that the love of your people will shine forth even in the midst of the darkness, and that your love will overtake the darkness. Your light will pierce through and shine through the darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Ash Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. it's funny how uh, where inspiration for a sermon often shows up and if you've given one you'll know what i'm talking about sometimes you don't really know what you're going to say before you say it sometimes you haven't have planned out far in advance what you're going to be talking about and then sometimes you'll be like me shaving my beard in the bathroom thinking about a service wondering what the heck am i going to talk about on ash wednesday only to think of something And like, oh, that's, that was, well, I'm not going to say it was good, but it was kind of okay. I got to write this down so I don't forget it. But it was really weird because two things came to my mind when I was thinking about this service and about uh, repentance and Ash Wednesday and Lent and all of this, all of this heavy stuff that we're, that we're getting into. And (laughs) two things popped into my head, Uh, one secular, uh, one religious. So I'll give you the secular one first so in one of my favorite movies <laughs> indiana jones and the last crusade one of my favorite movies in the third act of the movie spoiler alert to hero indiana jones he's he's reached the secret temple where the holy grail is kept the holy grail has been hidden there it's been housed there so evil people can't get it. And he's kind of forced to to go retrieve it. So he comes to a trap, and you've probably seen this movie, a particular trap where the only clue he has is something that his dad had written in his diary. And what he wrote in his diary was, only the penitent man will pass. So as he's walking through this trap, you know he can't see because there's cobwebs all over the place and he can see the dead body of somebody who's, who's tried to go through, who's been, who's been killed by the trap, who's been caught by the trap. He's, he's saying this phrase to himself over and over again. Only the penitent man will pass. He's trying to figure it out as he's walking, right? Only the penitent man will pass. Only the penitent man will pass. And then as he walks through, he sees the cobwebs kind of start to rise up. And it starts to click, and he goes, penitent, a penitent man is humble before God. A penitent man kneels before God, and then it clicks, kneel. And that's what he does. He kneels, and he kind of rolls forward, and then you see these two giant saw blades, right? Like kind of where his head was. So he like, he kneeled, he knelt down just at the right moment, and, and the blade passed harmlessly over his head, and he made it through the trap without, without being snared by it, without, without losing his life. After that, I thought of something completely different that I had seen a while back—an icon, an image of uh, Saint, Isaac, uh, Saint Anthony the Great. Saint Anthony the Great was a, a monastic figure, um, and he's he's held up in the church as a, a symbol of what a monk should be. And he lived from around 250 to 350. Um, and in this particular icon, he held in his hand a sheet of parchment. And on this parchment, something was written on it. And I remember looking, I'm like, what does that say? And I looked at what was written in the picture, what was, on, what was on the parchment in the picture, and it said this, I saw the snares that the enemy spreads out over the world, and I said, groaning, what can get through such snares? Then I heard a voice saying to me, Humility. So for some reason, both of these illustrations popped into my head, and I ran into my bedroom and I wrote them down. And I thought how fun I thought it was funny in how the character in the movie he makes it through the trip, the trap meant to take his life, in the same way that St. Anthony advises us to escape the traps of our great enemy, Satan. First Peter 5 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So in that light, then, what does it mean to be humble? What does being humble or penitent have to do with avoiding what Satan and our own fallen human nature uses to trap us? That's a good question. One of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, once wrote that pride is kind of the chief of all sins. In Mere Christianity, he says this, According to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. What gets me about that quote is he lists sins that you would think rank pretty high on the sinometer or the sinometer. You know, you're like, well, that, that sounds like a really bad sin. I've heard people say, well, all sin is equal in the eyes of God. No sin is worse than another sin. It's all just sin. And I think to myself, whenever I hear that, have you read the Bible? <laughs> but pride is the big one. And I believe him. He, he says that pride is anti-God. It is an anti-God state of mind, and I'd probably tweak that to say an anti-Christ state of mind. And if pride, brothers and sisters, leads to an anti-God state of mind, then that means that pride is the locus from which all other sins spread. This quote reminds me of what St. James wrote in his epistle, where he said, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Some translations will also say every evil work. So then how do we escape pride? How can we acquire humility? I think start off by realizing that we're full of pride. It's inescapable, right? I think Lewis even makes the point further by saying those who point out their own humility are those who are in actual fact not humble, who are actually the most prideful. So then I ask you, brothers and sisters, how do we deal with pride? And Lent is an incredibly helpful tool here. We begin the journey of Lent by being reminded of one truth that we all have in common. You want to know what that one truth is that we all have in common? From the greatest to the lowest, if such a thing even exists, from the richest to the poorest, what we all have in common is that you are going to die. You are going to die. I read today online, somebody posted an article, and he basically said Ash Wednesday is sort of like getting a glimpse of our own funeral. We are all going to die. That's hard for us to hear sometimes because we put it out of our minds. And in a few minutes, I'm going to smear ashes on your forehead making the sign of the cross. I'm going to tell you that you are mortal. I'm going to remind you of that fact. Knowledge of our coming death is meant to do something, though, brothers and sisters. It is meant to sober us. Psalm 90, verses 10 to 12 says, The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Passages like this kind of make us uncomfortable. because We don't like to think of God getting angry, but we're not going to talk about that this evening. The psalmist just asked God, in light of his limited amount of time on earth, to learn wisdom. The acknowledgement of our mortality is meant to help shake us loose of spiritual apathy. To help us turn to God, because as we are reminded over and over in Scripture, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This knowledge, then, is meant to take a sledgehammer to our pride, because ultimately we're all headed in the same direction. So use the time that you have wisely. So in light of this, then, in Lent, as we turn to God in the light of our mortality, we recognize a few things about ourselves. Namely, that sin, even though being something we've been ransomed from, we've been redeemed from, right? Scripture says that we've been enslaved to sin, but Christ, through his passion and his resurrection, has freed us from the power of sin. But it still pulls at us. It still pulls at us. It still fights for our attention. It still fights to be noticed, and it still tries to master us. And Lent helps us to see that. It helps us to honestly look inward and reflect on what is actually going on in our hearts and then gives us the tool for killing it. The Puritan theologian John Owen said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. This is why in a few minutes we're going to pray the litany of penitence, not because we're trying to earn something from God. We already know God loves us, brothers and sisters, right? We know that. We know that He has saved us. But we need to let our guard down. We need to let the light of the Holy Spirit illuminate our inner being so that divine surgery can take place. So that what is rotten and dark in us, our pride and every vice and every wicked work and every sin that springs from it, can be healed by Christ. But to do this, we need penitence, we need repentance. Scripture in the Greek, it's the, the word batania, which isn't just changing your mind about something. Like, hmm, I used to like Creed, but now I like Pearl Jam better. It's not just changing your mind. I used to like bologna sandwiches, and now I like gyros. Right? When we repent, we are turning ourselves to God. We are making the course correction towards the narrow path, the narrow way. And we need to do this constantly. There's a Jewish scholar named Abraham Heschel. He said something incredibly profound. He said, we may assume it's God that we care for, but it may be our own ego we are concerned with. To examine our religious existence is therefore a task to be performed constantly. And that's why, brothers and sisters, we do this every day year we are examining our religious existence why are we doing this has a purpose right we're doing this constantly over and over and over again so christ can be formed in us Penitence, humility, the knowledge that we're not as great as we think we are, the realization that we mask the hard work God is asking us to do so we can focus on pointing our negativity towards something or someone else so we don't have to deal with, God, with what God is trying to heal in us. I said a little bit earlier, we're called to give up our rights. Our right to be angry with one another. Sometimes you can be angry with people for a good reason. We're called to give that up. Our right to do what we want, when we want, we're called to give that up. Our right to treat people terribly, we're called to give that up. Our right to be unloving, we're called to give that up. Our right to exercise unrestrained anger, we're called to give that up. And we do this, brothers and sisters, because we believe that God is in the process of healing us. That as we follow our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we begin the Lenten journey leading to Holy Week, as we do what he did, humbling himself, Scripture says, even to the point of death on the cross, Christ's death on the cross is the model for how we are then to die to self to take an axe to the root of the tree of pride so that the work of the Spirit that is being done in us will bear good fruit so that tree won't be cut down and cast into the fire, as Jesus said. Trees that don't bear fruit, that's where they go. And so, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be all glory together with his father who is from everlasting and is all holy good and life-giving spirit amen hey this is pastor mike landsman thanks so much for listening to the podcast for zionstone united church of christ you know we have deep roots here in the local community and our history is fascinating in that we predate the founding of the united states itself if you're interested in worship that is traditionally grounded and scripturally faithful come visit us may just be the church for you you can find us online zionstoneucc.com or you can look us up on facebook zionstoneucc if you have any questions feel free to email me at malandsman at gmail.com again god bless you thanks so much for listening we hope to have you visit our church